Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday, Father. Happy Monday, George. It's going to be an easy day for me because this is uh, basically homily 2.0 for you <laughs> because I know... No, but I was I was alone last week. Come on, you have to, you have to help me out I know, but Corpus Christi, like, <laughs> there's... It, it's one of those where, where we need the podcast because there's so much in the I also the, gave a shameless plug at the end of the homily. You yesterday. did, <laughs> and I have to get the... the uh, the podcast back in the bulletin because I'm sure people were looking around going, what, what's he talking about? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I, I got to a point in the homily, I've been preaching, I guess, for 15 minutes or something like that. I still had like some more material to do. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm going to stop here. If you want the rest, tune in tomorrow to the podcast uh, to talk about it. But yeah, Corpus Christi, it's a great feast. Uh, I mean, it's usually accompanied by processions. Quick story, you know, I did, I, I would do that when I was uh, 10, year, 10 years ago, 10 years ago. Or no, 11 years ago when I was at Mary Help of Christians in my 10th year, 10 years ago, I didn't do it my last year there. For two uh, summers in a row, Corpus Christi can fall anywhere between now and maybe late June, depending on when Easter falls. And we did a procession and we went out through the parking lot into a garden that we had and we put a, we had an altar in that garden. And I remember the second time we did it, it was so brutally, oppressively hot. Now I'm already wearing, you know, my clerics, I'm wearing an alb, I'm wearing a chasuble, yep. they put a humeral veil on me, so I'm wearing like four or five layers of clothes, and then I'm supposed to go and out. Th- and those things aren't light either. No, they're not, and the thing is, the, the monstrance that I was holding was a pretty light monstrance, but after you're holding it for a while, it, gets, it starts to get a little heavy. So, we were supposed to take it into the into that altar and maybe do an hour of adoration, all right. that stuff. I got to that altar, God forgive me, and I did the blessing and I said, go in peace. And I took the <laughs> blessed sacrament back to because everyone, everyone, I was, one of these little ladies again is going to faint out here. But I did something that is beautiful. Uh, it's probably better done in the evening and, and it's something that, that I've been kicking around in terms of how we could do it nicely here in the parish because we have the, the we have the procession uh, on uh, on Holy Thursday and that kind of leads me into how the origins of Corpus Christi started St. Juliana in the 13th century you know she was you know she was meditating and praying about Corpus Christi I mean about the Eucharist and on Holy Thursday and yes you have the procession on Holy Thursday but there's so much going on in Holy Thursday you have the washing of the feet you have you know the meditation of the passion of the Lord it, you know you're, you're thinking about the Lord and yes we really the main focus is the Eucharist and we have the procession of the Eucharist but we, you know, at least during the homily, sometimes I, I, I preach on, on the priesthood or preach on, you know, but mainly that and preach on what is happening that night of course. on the washing of the feet because that's the gospel of the day. So uh, she started praying about that and she took it to a bishop. And let me just read it from here. The Feast of Corpus Christi originated in, in 1246 when Robert de Torete, de Torote Bishop of Liege ordered the festival celebrated in his diocese. He was persuaded to initiate the feast by St. Juliana, the prioress of Mont Cornillon near Liege, who had experienced a vision. It did not spread until 1261 when Jacques Pantaleon, formerly Archdeacon of Liege, became Pope as Urban IV. In 1264, he ordered that the whole church to observe the feast. 
Urban's order was confirmed by Pope Clement V at the Council of Vienne in 1311-1312. By the mid-14th century, the festival was generally accepted, and in the 15th century, it became, in effect, one of the principal feasts of the Church. And, of course, processions were a part of it to celebrate the body and blood of Christ, to celebrate the real presence, to celebrate the gift that is the Eucharist. That's what we celebrated today. Isn't it awesome to be Catholic? It is. Like. You know, we we get to trace all these things back to the yeah, 14th no. century, 15th, <laughs> and, and further back. There, there's so many things, and I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. I mean, come on, we do this all the time on the podcast. We were, was it last week? We were, I don't know, you and I were doing something, and we were looking up, you know, well, we we're looking for a prayer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were looking for a prayer. I know uh, where you're going Yeah, with this. This is a great story. This is a great, it's, it was Memorial Day, and we were together. And your parents asked me to bless uh, their garden because it, you know the fruit, you know the trees weren't bearing fruit and stuff like that. I go, I'm pretty sure the Book of Blessings has a prayer. I mean, we're Catholic. There's we're a blessing Catholic. for everything. There is. So I'm looking for the, through the you know I didn't have the Book of Blessings on me, but I'm looking through my phone you know through Catholic blessings all that stuff, and I come across a blessing for George. Hit me up with it. And this was life changing. A blessing for bacon. For bacon or lard. Or lard, but bacon, and I and I and I tweeted it out. People loved it. I go, it's so great to be Catholic, <laughs> and so we say that because this feast, the Eucharist, is what makes us uniquely Catholic, because we believe, as part of dogma of faith, that Jesus Christ is present, really present, in body, soul, and divinity. This is something that. It should be ingrained in each and every one of us. Now, it is explained to us when we're children, we do our first communion. And you know, the children, you know, they believe it, they profess it, but obviously that's with their hearts because their minds yet haven't fully embraced this oddity that how can our Lord be present under the species of bread and wine? So yesterday for the homily, I busted out the catechism. Now, you're looking at it here in the studio, Jorge, and, and you're seeing that it's, it's that's old. The, that's the old school cover. That's the too. old school. This is the, the 1992 version, you know, of the cat, I mean, the, the, in terms of the first edition. And it's great. It's still, it's still there. It has, like, little notes that I have from years past, from things that, classes that I've given. But here's the thing, and I said it yesterday at Mass. If you don't have a copy of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, go on Amazon, buy a physical copy. Now, if you don't ha- want a physical copy, like everything on your, your, your tablet or, or your computer, your phone, the Vatican website has a, the whole catechism there. And, and even Google, you can just Google, okay, what does the Catholic Catechism have to say about angels? Or what does the Catholic Catechism have to say about whatever issue you want, or whatever doctrine or whatever dogma you want uh, clarified? It's there. One of St. John Paul II's greatest gifts for us because he promulgated it in 1992. So I busted out the catechism yesterday. And you remember the quote, you remember the paragraph, 1374. And it said, The mode of Christ's presence under the Eucharist is unique. It raises the Eucharist above all the sacraments as the perfection of the spiritual life and the end to which all the sacraments tend. That's a quote directly from St. Thomas Aquinas. In the most blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, the body and blood together with the soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, and therefore the whole Christ, is truly, really, and substantially contained. And there the Catechism quotes from the Council of Trent, 1551. 
Now, this presence is called real, by which it is not intended to exclude the other types of presence as if they could not be real too, but because it is presence in the fullest sense. That is to say, it is a substantially it is a substantial presence by which Christ, God, and man makes himself wholly and entirely present. And so that's what's so important. And sometimes it's lost on us as Catholics when we walk into our churches. Jesus is there. The tabernacle is there. That's why we genuflect. That's why we, when we get to the pews, we kneel down and we say our prayers. It is Jesus who is there. And not only is he present in the tabernacle, but during Mass, he comes to us in Holy Communion. And that is what is so beautiful and what is so makes us so uniquely Catholic. Yep, for sure. And, you know, in another section of the Catechism, uh, it, it describes the Eucharist as the source and summit of the Christian life. You know, so it's it's where we get all our life from, and it's it's where we are going. Uh, so, so again, source and summit, it, it, the pinnacle of everything that we believe, everything that we are as Catholics, is contained, is summarized in the Eucharist, uh, uh, and that's that beautiful line that I, I constantly go back to. That source and summit. You know, am I everything that I'm doing? Am I drawing life from the Eucharist, or, or like like we've spoken before? You know, am I doing things of, on, on my own because I mm-hmm. want to, you know, so kind of tying back to previous things we've talked about, you know, in ministry, in church, and especially you, you and I as, an, as, well, you as a, as a member of the clergy, myself as an employee, you know, we need to be connected to the Eucharist, you know, or, or else we're just spinning our wheels and, and you know, and we're going to, we're going to get lost. So we, we need to be connected to the Eucharist, and that's why it's so awesome to be able to go to the Eucharist so often. And and what you just said, it's from paragraph 1324. The Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life, and they are quoting directly from the Second Vatican Council, Lumen Gentium, number 11. He goes, so it is the source and summit of, all, of the Christian life. The other sacraments, indeed all ecclesiastical ministries and works of the apostolate, are bound up with the Eucharist and are oriented toward it. For the Blessed Eucharist is contained, it, for in the Blessed Eucharist is contained the whole spiritual good of the church, namely Christ himself, our Pasch. Now, there were, there were two quotes there from, uh, from the Second Vatican Council. Everything we do, and I always say this, the most important thing we do as a parish is when we celebrate the Mass. That is what's most important. That is what is essential. Oh, Father, you have to do this. You have to do this. I go, the only have to do, thing I have to do is celebrate, celebrate the sacraments. Mass. Celebrate Mass, celebrate the sacraments. Okay? But Mass especially. Because every single other sacrament, yes, I have to hear confessions. Yes, I have to anoint the sick. Yes, I have to, you know, celebrate marriages and baptisms. But every other sacrament oriented towards it. And every ministry of this parish, and it says other sacraments, and need all ecclesiastical ministries and works of the apostle are bound up with the Eucharist and are oriented toward it. So everything flows out of the Eucharist and should orient, every ministry should be drawn back to the Eucharist. So listen, ah, one of my pet peeves. There is, you know, sometimes, you know, I go to ministry meetings and I see parishioners and God bless them that they come to our ministry meetings. And I wonder, you know, I, 
that person over there, I don't see them on Sundays. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't come here. They may go to another church. But, you know, it's happened to me in other parishes that I know that they only go to the ministry meeting. Now, God bless them that they are staying connected to some ministry. But I always use this very poor analogy. Going to a ministry meeting and not going to the Eucharist on Sunday is like walking to a casino without any chips. You have nothing to give because you haven't received anything. And that's why we go to Mass. And Jesus, and that's why Jesus wants us to go to Mass. It's for us to receive, for us to receive the graces of the sacrament, for us to receive His body and blood, for us to receive the beauty of the sacred scriptures, the beauty of the homily, the beauty of just being together as a body of Christ. What we missed last year when we were in lockdown, we couldn't go into our churches. That's why it's so important. And that's why we, you make it that point. Sister Rosalie makes that point. To your parents and religious head, Sister Rosalie, to her parents in the school, I make it to both constantly, 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 constantly. It is so important that you bring your children to Mass. And like I said, I, you know, I know I said this like three or four episodes ago. It's like the people that are listening to this yeah. <laughs> already know this. But this is for you to share. <laughs> no, it is for you to share because you we talk about it all the time. You know, you have... You know, religious head, by the way, registration is open. Shameless. In, uh, as of seven minutes ago, yes, we are, we are open. So parents register their kids in religious ed. But parents become parking lot parents. And they, Jorge, you take care well, of I've preparing been, uh, my child for First Communion Confirmation. That's the, that's the first thing I tell parents. Uh, as, soon as, as soon as, you know, we get the kids in the classroom and I have the parent meeting, I say, I'm, I'm here to help you, but I am not here to take over for you. Uh, because... Yeah, and and we'll we'll dedicate a whole other episode to this. But parents, family, you know, one another, we're, we are the first catechists. So it's it's not the church's responsibility per se. You know, we're we're there to assist and and answer questions and and walk along together in, in that journey of faith. But it is the lived faith at home that is the first teacher of of the yeah. faith for for the children. And it's you said it's not our responsibility. It's our responsibility to walk with you, yeah. but not to take over your role as parents, because. You and I, thankfully, had parents who would take us to Mass, For sure. kicking and screaming. We can get into that, what I sent you last night that. in a minute, because about children and Mass and all that stuff, that, that, that could be another episode. You know, no, that needs to be another episode. That needs to be another. No, and you know what? You, need, <laughs> you know who needs to be? Here we go. We're going to invoke Walter. I hate you guys. Here, Here we go. And your wife needs to be on that episode, because this is something that, that, not that she argues with me, because I totally, I mean, from the very beginning, she tried to pick an argument with me on that one, and I go, no, I agree with you. Yeah. But in children in mass. But if if you if you're wondering what I'm talking about, go to my Twitter handle, and and see what I tweeted last night about children in mass that somebody tweeted from another parish, and, it, and it's just it was eerie. But that's why we bring our children so that they learn. You bring your three year old; she behaves like a, a princess. The Most one year old, he's getting there. He's getting there, you know, and he'll get there. But it's. He's a pandemic baby, so, no, no, so it, we're, it, it, we're finally getting out of the house again. Exactly. So he, so he didn't, you know. But so that's he, the thing. He, he, the more he comes, mm-hmm. the easier it'll become. Right. You know, the, the more he's there in the in the pews, absolutely, he'll he'll begin to understand what's and going on. Listen, and when I there were not when I was not when I was maybe a, a toddler, but when I was in the five six year you know years old like that before I received my first communion, I was rambunctious in, in mass and and you know and, and restless and imagine me restless. You know, all, all that. But I learned, you know, sometimes through elbowing, my mother elbowed me during Mass to be quiet. But, you know, you learn. And it doesn't only apply to children. It should apply to adults. Because 
when we walk into that sacred space, when we walk in there, and that's what I was talking about earlier, we need to acknowledge that our Lord is there, really there. And this is an important point, Father, because a lot of, and I hear this a lot in, in the religious head program or, or even among some friends, you know, they say, but I can't receive communion, so why am I going, you know? Why, why go to Mass if, or, or why take my kids if, if they can't go and receive communion? Yeah. And, and to, to kind of bring it back on, on this Feast of Corpus Christi is, yes, the, the, the Eucharist is the real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And it is the, the most extraordinary thing that we can ever do in our life to receive the Eucharist. But Jesus feeds us in every aspect of the Mass. You know, you mentioned that he feeds us through his word uh, in, in scripture, and in, in the gospel. He feeds us, you know, through the priest in, in the homily who, who is Jesus Christ in persona Christi during, during the liturgy. He feeds us in community. He feeds us, you know, in, in the music we sing and in, in the prayers that we offer up together. So it's, all of that leads us, you know, to the Eucharist. And, and obviously that's the most important thing we can do in the mass, but, but it's not just the Eucharist. You know, so, so that's why, it, yes, we may not be able to receive the Eucharist, but, but we can still be spiritually fed. And we, I mean, we've been posting it on, on the live feed you know, yeah. forever. We have that spiritual communion every time we come to Mass you as know, well. You know, Father Omar and I had a beautiful experience that I want to share that happened to us at, at, the, end of, uh, at the end of 5.30 Mass last night. So Father Omar was celebrating the Mass, and I was standing outside. And... You know, I complain so much about the complaints that I usually receive after Mass. I'm like, yeah, I'm just there to say hello to people, to greet them to with a joyful face and see their joyful faces coming out of Mass. And hopefully they're joyful yeah. faces because they just <laughs> received the Lord. So yesterday we were talking to people and, and 530 Mass, if, if, if for those of you that are, there, that are there, 530 Mass is like now that the sun is going down later has become... Okay, we finish at 6.30, and it's sometimes 7 o'clock, and people are still out there talking, which is great. That's what I love uh, for our community, that people just don't take off yep. and just enjoy each other's presence and talk. And, and, then, and then at the end, I, oh, you know what, let's continue this conversation at Duffy's or at Caroline Alehouse or, or at, preferably at Duffy's because we love Wayne. This episode brought to you by Duffy. Exactly. <laughs> but so we were there, and, and, this, and, this, and this lady comes up to us. And, uh, and, and it was a parishioner that comes up to us and introduces a lady that we didn't know. And she comes up to us and tells us, listen, Father, I'm, and, and I, she told it to me, I thought, you know, it was to me, but Omar, Father Omar and I, we were, you know, we were at dinner last night and he, and he told me they had the same experience. She came up to both of us separately and said to us, Father, I'm from Puerto Rico. She's talking to us in English. And in, while I was in Puerto Rico, during the lockdown, I would... You know, I would go in and see your masses wow. during the lockdown on whether it was Facebook or on YouTube. And she said this word. And for me, it was oxygen. Wow. It was oxygen. And I'm there and like, you know, melt, you know, I was like, wow. Just, you gave her a hug. <laughs> no, I did. I did, of course, because, you know, we, we were out there and, you know, she, and you could t see her getting teared up. That's how important the Eucharist is to some people. And even though she couldn't, because Puerto Rico had pretty strict lockdown rules, um, you know, she couldn't go. She had two small children. They couldn't go. She said that at some point, I think they did something on a beach somewhere because open air and she went to that. But 
from Puerto Rico, and we also have a, a group, a prayer group in Colombia that every 5.30 mass every day, they tune in. Uh, so uh, we have so many of our, you know, our, our, our wonderful parishioners that we see comment every day, we know their names, but, but that word that she said, it is oxygen. And, that, and this is not her being in the church. It was because she couldn't go to church, right. and so she, maybe, you know, because she's friends with this, with this person of ours, and person said, listen, here's our YouTube channel. We have Mass every day at 8 and, and 5.30 and, and at, at these times, but she was looking at it, and she came to the 5.30 Mass, and, and she was so emotional saying thank you because it was oxygen. Now, if only each of us could feel that way, that we need the Eucharist. Uh, Padre Pio said, you know, it's easier for the earth to survive without the sun than it, for it to survive without the Eucharist. And you could say, well, we survived without the Eucharist last year. Yes and no. Yes and no. Because the Eucharist did not, we did not stop celebrating it. Yes, we stopped receiving it for at least here was two, two and a half months, which were extremely long, two and a half months. But the sacrifice kept being offered. And we kept bringing it to you mm-hmm. online. Thankfully, that's over. Hopefully, it doesn't happen again. We've learned from it. We move on. But oxygen, we go in there. Because we need to be refueled, we need to be replenished, we need to be healed. And I touched upon that brokenness in yesterday's hospital, in yesterday's homily. That that's what the Eucharist does; it heals us from our sins. Yeah, and, and uh, it's the divine medicine. You know, we, we often call uh, you know Jesus the divine doctor, and and the the medicine that the divine doctor is going to give us is Himself. Ignatius right? of Antioch called it the medicine of immortality. Beautiful. Beautiful. There it is. But I mean. We come to the Eucharist, and the Holy Father has touched upon this so many times. I said it, I think, in this podcast three or four episodes ago. You know, he said it yesterday, our Holy Father. He goes, this is not a reward for saints. This is medicine for sinners. This is what we. This is why we come. Well, in, in, in seminary, there's a priest who would say, uh, you know, the, the church is not a country club for saints. Uh, but uh, And, and it's that, that image that Pope Francis, it's a hospital Field for hospital. sinners. Yeah. It's, and it's where we, where we come... In our brokenness, we, we bring our wounds, we bring our our sin, we bring you know everything, you know that that's wrong and troubling us, and and we literally offer it up, yeah. And that's my my pet peeve. If we can get into pet peeves here, <laughs> you know the the offertory of the mass. Yeah, a lot of people think it's it's intermission, right? Because the <laughs> the collection's <laughs> being taken up, so it's like okay, let me. Well, now we have online giving, so there's no more no, you, not that much check writing. No, it used to be check writing, uh, yeah. but before and. You know, this I saw this growing up in during the off, while the collection is being taken up. You know, the song is going and no one's singing because everyone's you know writing their check or or making change from or, the collection basket. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and Love in, that one. But but in that moment, you know, the, this bread and wine is is being literally placed on the altar and offered and up. Offered. And you know, the, the the image I often use with my religious head families is, you know, in in just a few moments, the priest will will pray over these elements, and they will be transformed literally transformed from bread and wine to the body and blood of Christ. But not just the, the elements are being transformed. Everything that we bring to the altar itself is transformed. Well, that's key. You know, so, so that brokenness that, and, you know, I may not see it, I may not feel it, I may not recognize it, but that brokenness that I bring to that altar and, and place there with that body, with that bread and, and wine, Jesus takes that up. The Holy Spirit comes down upon that and, and just as real as that bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ, 
that brokenness, that sin, that heaviness, whatever it is that I, that I put up there in that offertory is transformed. We had, before your time in seminary, but in the early 90s, we had a boisterous, big Dominican friar that was in the seminary with us. And every time we would say Mass in seminary, we had, we go through these laws like, oh my good, I, I can't take it anymore. I, I'm struggling with this class, or I'm struggling with this you know, aspect of my, my formation. He would tell us at the beginning of Mass, Dear Arts, you know, go like this with his big old fingers and spread them out, you know, spread his arms out. He goes, whatever is troubling you, put it right here. He would point, he, would, he, would, he was at the altar. Put it right here on the altar. Put it right here. God will take care of it. Don't worry about it during this Mass. Just concentrate on giving yourself totally Jesus. And I tweeted this out yesterday morning. I said it during the Mass. Jesus, he is broken for us to heal our brokenness. He is broken for us in the Eucharist. And that bread that becomes his body, take this, eat it. He's broken for us. Because in the Eucharist, it's a memorial of his passion and death. So we are, you know, it's not a recreation of the sacrifice at Calvary, but we are memorializing it there. We are offering to the Father, Jesus Christ, the same way that Jesus Christ offered himself on the altar of the cross. Jesus is the high priest, but is also the victim who wants to heal humanity. And he does that through the Eucharist. Now, Hori, you were saying a little earlier when you talked to your religious families, why do I have to come to church? I don't go to communion. My children can't come to communion. Here's how you come to church. Well, first of all, if you can't go to communion, go to confession. Yep. Come talk to me. Everyone, if you're an adult, oh, I haven't done my first communion, we'll, we'll get rid of it. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll we remedy got, that. We got a program for that. Yeah, we, we'll remedy that. <laughs> no, remember, the, the, we have, there's an app for that. But, we, we, you know, we have a program for that. We have a ministry for that. If you haven't been in confession, call us up. We'll hear your confession or come on Saturday. We will literally stop everything that yeah, we are doing. Yeah, 8.30. How many times <laughs> have I literally stopped everything that I'm doing to hear confession? Now, it's not happening now, but let's say, you know, and Father Omar's in his office just down the hallway, but let's say Father Omar's not available and there's a, and there's a soul downstairs that urgently needs to go to confession. My secretary knows that she can, you know, either text me, the phone's right in front of me, or knock on the door and you'll hear... You know, and Father, somebody needs to confession. I go, let's take this little break, and Jorge will entertain you for, you know, whatever amount of time it is, and we'll re-up and we'll write it out. But that's what we're supposed to do as priests. So we make all sorts of excuses. And, you know, it could be an irregular marriage. We help you out with that, too. I'm married again and all that stuff. may need a marriage declared. No, help you out with that, too. But here's the thing. And I was talking about, you were talking about, and I was talking about the Eucharist healing our brokenness. Catechism talks about that. Because Holy Communion, receiving Holy Communion, the real presence of Christ, heals us, separates us, is what, the, is what chapter, uh, paragraph 1393 of the Catechism says. Holy Communion separates us from our sins. Jesus is given up for us, and the blood we drink is shed for the many for the forgiveness of sins. For this reason... The Eucharist cannot unite us to Christ without at the same time cleansing us of past sins and preserving us from future sins. Now, that doesn't mean if you're a mortal sin, you go to communion. I'm going to make that clarification now. Here it is, between venial sin and mortal sin. As bodily nourishment restores lost strength, so the Eucharist strengthens our charity, which tends to be weakened in daily life. And this living charity, which is the Eucharist, wipes away venial sin. Now, 
that's venial sin. A little white light here, said you know, said a bad word, cursed somebody in the car on, on the on the highway. That never happened. No, never. The set next paragraph. Now it goes into the mortal sin. By the same charity that is enkindled in us, the Eucharist preserves us from future mortal sins. The and and this this line is so key. The more we share the life of Christ and progress in His friendship, the more difficult it is to break away from Him by mortal sin. Basically saying, the, the more you receive the Eucharist, the more you go to Mass. You go to Mass every day. There are people, and God bless this parish, we have great attendance at all three of our daily Masses, starting with the 615, 70-ish people. You say, my goodness, there's 70 souls out there that are awake at 615 in the morning? Yeah, sometimes more. And so the, the more often we receive it, the harder it is to fall into mortal sin because you don't want... It's like it's like being in love and you don't want to injure the person you're in love with. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, injure that relationship. So the catechism says, you know, it is, the more difficult it is to break away from Jesus by mortal sin. Now, this is the clarification. This is very important. The Eucharist is not ordered to the forgiveness of mortal sins for that is proper to the sacrament of reconciliation. The Eucharist is properly the sacrament of those who are in full communion with the church. So, if you are in mortal sin, come to confession. Simple as that. So that you may receive the Eucharist, which is that medicine that keeps us from falling back into sin. It's like going to the doctor, say, doctor, I have this ailment. Okay, that's like going to the priest because I have this ailment, which is sin. The doctor gives you the remedy. The priest gives you the penance, but the remedy and what keeps you, you know, get this prescription because, for example, I have... I bet you still got to fill have, it. You still got to fill have, it. And, I, yeah, exactly. I have cholesterol, yep. you know, in my family that, you know, I don't want to die when I'm 50 because my bad cholesterol is too high. So I take Lipitor every day. Hmm, Father, everybody knows Father Manny's <laughs> prescription history. So, you know, but I receive it so that I don't fall into a bad category or don't die. Same thing with the Eucharist, because it is the medicine of immortality. We cannot die. Whoever eats this bread shall live forever. And that's the promise of Jesus to eternal life. For sure. And, you know, Father, as we wrap up this first section, I wanted to finish with one of the quotes you, you mentioned oh, yeah. yesterday. And it's really one of my favorites. It's, uh, I think it was John Vianney. Uh, if we really understood what's happening, not just, not just in Mass, obviously in Mass, but, but as we receive the Eucharist, we would die of joy. Yeah. Like it would be so over, it is, not would be, it is literally so overwhelming that, that we would have no choice but to, you know, keel over and die. <laughs> and, 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 that's, uh, and, and that's the thing that is so important. I started, out, I started the entire homily yesterday with this quote from St. Francis. Many people think that St. Francis was a priest. He wasn't. St. Francis founded the Order of the Franciscans no. and never became a priest. Other, other of his brothers became priests. He did not. This is what he said about the Eucharist. Man should tremble, the world should quake, all heaven should be deeply moved when the Son of God appears on the altar in the hands of a priest. And that just shows the magnitude, the magnitude of what's going on. Now, I've, I came across this, this, this following quote last week, and, and to tell you, I had never heard of this saint. Saint Leonard of Port Maurice, who was a Franciscan in the, in the 18th century and died in Rome. And he says, the first line is kind of insulting. He goes, oh, you deluded people. 
What are you doing? Why do you not hasten to the churches to hear as many masses as you can? Why do you not imitate the angels who, when a holy mass is celebrated, come down in myriads from paradise and take their stations about our altars in adoration to intercede for us? And that's the thing. We see the image and, you know, sometimes we're distracted by this, by that. But the image, the heavenly image, is there. When Jesus is present, all the angels surround the altar. The I think it was the cover art you used. No, it wasn't the cover art you used last last year. It was used last year, used demonstrance. But it should be the cover art we used next year. Because the priest is offering mass, and, you, and there's a beautiful piece of art that has, you know, the people around, you know, around the priest's, in, in you know on in the church and then above the altar is the entire heavenly host yep. the saints the angels all around Jesus in the hands of the priest during consecration and when we receive it it's not only for the priest but when we receive Jesus we become living tabernacles and so we are challenged from the Eucharist to be living tabernacles out in the world and to take the presence of Jesus Christ out into the world for sure and we don't do that alone because as, no. we, as we just saw, you know, anywhere that the, the Eucharist is present, the angels and saints are, are there. There, absolutely. So, so we become a living tabernacle. We walk out into the world, and, and we are a com- literally accompanied by the heavenly host. And, 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 and what a reassuring uh, you know, image that becomes for, for each of us. And, and for us to be saved, and, and again, to go back to this, thing, this theme of brokenness and to wrap, that, wrap this up, the Eucharist heals us. Never forget that. That's why we go to Mass. It's not, it shouldn't be just to fulfill an obligation to you know, check something off, something that we have to do. The Eucharist is there to heal us, to make us whole, to make us more united as a people and to unite us more, unite us more intimately to our Lord Jesus Christ who is the victim and the high priest who offers himself to us, who is broken to heal our brokenness. Never Take for granted the gift that we have in the Mass and the Holy Eucharist because it is the greatest gift that Jesus gave us and it is what makes us uniquely Catholic. Amen. And Father, I think you have one last special announcement here before, uh, before we wrap up and, and switch gears. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because something, something uh, very special happened this morning. No, today, and I announced it yesterday at, at, at Mass, you know, we reopened our Adoration Chapel. We tried reopening right after Easter, and we didn't have enough people. And obviously, the, the bus is active when, when he's exposed, should be always accompanied. So right now, we have it from 8.30 to 4.30, which are our office hours, our, our office hours, and it'll be reposed at 4.30. But our hope is that we fall in love so much with Adoration that we can make it 24-7. And we already have things in place to be able to move that to 24-7 as soon as the people are ready. Yesterday morning, one of my parishioners who was, was out of town this week but still sent me something. Uh, it was a, an article from New York that uh, there was a parish in New York that they have a beautiful basement that they're re- renovating. And, they're, and, I, and I saw the drawings. absolutely beautiful what they're doing to create a perpetual adoration nice. chapel. Nice. And, and the priest said these words. I go, this will be a game changer. For this parish. And I firmly believe it for this parish as well. If we can dedicate, we already dedicate an hour a week on Sundays to Jesus. Mahomeno. All right? But, you know, but we need to 
fall in love with Jesus more by coming to adoration, spending time in prayer, being in silence with him, praying, bringing, you know, spiritual reading to pray with him. I invite you, sign up. You could do that on our website, webpage, cotlf.org. I invite you to go to adoration. If you're listening to us from another parish, your parish may have it or go find a parish near you. St. Louis, God bless St. Louis. They started it all down here. St. Thomas has one. Our Lady of Lourdes has one. Mother of Christ has one. St. Brendan has yep. one. So all around us in West, in the <clears throat> St. Augustine has it. I not Maybe not 24-7, but St. Augustine has it as well. All around us, there's a church near you. And what we want is 24-7. So you wake up in the middle of the night and you're stressing, you're, you're stressing out something. You can drive to church. Yep. Be with Jesus. That's awesome. And you don't need to sign up. I mean, obviously we want you to sign up, but... but Again, like 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 you just said, if, if you wake up in the middle of the night or you, we know, can do this. you have a, a you know a tough meeting at work, whatever, yeah, come by, spend you know five minutes with the Lord, and, and you may not know what to say, but just as uh, as the saints tell us, you know, I look at Him, and He looks at me. I think Saint Therese said that. I or, or Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. You know, I look at Him, and He looks at me, and that's it. That's, and, and that's and that's so beautiful. So I invite you to come down, you know, spend time with the Lord. That hour so crucial. Apart from the hour at Mass on Sunday, pray about that. Come down, spend, even come down and just spend a couple minutes with them and see. Yeah, I can get, I can get used to this. You know, it's like running, like prepping for a marathon. Hori could tell you about that because you run many a marathon. You can't do it, you know, you know, without actually without training. And you so can, maybe, but it'll it'll hurt a lot. <laughs> it, you know, it will hurt a lot. But but with with prayer, same thing. You know, start with maybe for sure. a couple minutes and for five sure. minutes and ten, and then you gradually work, go into that holy hour. And spend that holy hour with the Lord because it'll be a tr- just like the Mass is transformative, it will transform your week. So, friends, to wrap up this Corpus Christi meditation, the real presence is there. He is there for you. He wants to heal your brokenness and He invites you to spend time with Him in adoration. There's nothing on Netflix, nothing on Disney Plus, nothing on Amazon Prime, nothing on TV that is worthy and better than spending time. Before I even, another Mother Teresa quote, the tabernacle is my television. Oh, here, not just the tabernacle. It's Jesus exposed in the Blessed Sacrament. Come visit him and give thanks for his real presence among us. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on, Father. There's there's an update here. We, we haven't... Wait, is there a game being played? I mean, this is usually... an ESPN, they interrupt with that music to say that somebody scored. It's, you know, it's early in the morning. Is there a baseball game that I know going on? What's going on? There is not. We have new music. We have new music! And I'm going to play it for us right now. Oh, dear. Thank you, Carly. This is epic. Oh, here we go. Yes! Yes! Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! A running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but... Just... No. Get out of here. What was that last night? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got... I, last night... Oh, my goodness. Last night, right before the U.S.-Mexico match, and we're going to get into that in a second... 
uh, Carly and, and CJ send me this clip, and they had told me after Mass that they had something for us and uh, for awesome. the podcast, and I had awesome. no idea what it was. <laughs> I thought they were going to get us, you know, Louis Brinson or Isan Diaz to participate in the pod. Stop making the face, George. George is making a face when I, I want, said Isan Diaz. I want Isan Diaz in this chair right next to me. All right, so listen. So we get this, and, and now we're both tired, and I'm, I don't know how I stayed awake last night, but... You heard, I must have heard it three or four times because, and I was laughing hysterically. That's how, this is our eighth or ninth episode. This is episode, I want to say eight. Eight or, yeah. eight or nine, yeah. So uh, they were able to get that and just those episodes, get those sound bites. So, and I know that had to be extraordinarily hard. So Carly, CJ, thank you so much. And because Carly did this, I'm going to talk about something that happened a week ago yesterday. There you go. Elio Castro Neves. Of okay. Dancing with the Stars fame. Stop, dude. What? You're kidding. You're kidding. Sorry, I, I, Carly I, I, just I, ran into the side of the road listening to this, all right? My friend, I've known <laughs> Carly my entire life, and his, and his father, rest in peace, a great man, turned him on to motorsports, loves Indy 500. It's like, you know, that day is sacred for him. Watches the Indy 500. He watched in the keys and then drove up for Mass last week. And he went, in 1980, he told me he went to 89. He went to the Brickyard and saw the Indianapolis nice. 500. Nice. And I watched it last week, and I remember the last time I saw an IndyCar race. It is the greatest spectacle in sports. And it was amazing. And Elio Crescenevis, you know, you had Phil Mickelson winning the PGA at 50. You had Tom Brady, ugh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady winning the uh, the Super Bowl at age 75. Uh, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> you have all these people, and Elio Crescenevis in his late 40s, winning the Indianapolis 500 with all these young guns out there, racing 200 miles an hour in these IndyCars. It was great. Carly, I told you I was going to talk about it. I talked about it. Nothing greater than Elliot going up and climbing the fence. The netting, yeah. It was, it was awesome. amazing. Spider-Man. And he, it was the longest post-race celebration. It was a great spectacle. And congratulations to him. And then they drink the milk. Uh, and they pour it all over themselves. It's a great tradition in Indianapolis. So, Carly, CJ, thank you so much. Uh, the Marlins. There's a part in that thing. And I was trying to figure out what is George talking about. When he's get him out of here. here. Who is that guy? That, it, yeah, that was because that of is Isan now one thirty Diaz. So la, yeah, I'm looking. The box score from yesterday's game is in front of me, and, th- and we were like yesterday's like they better win this game because we would have gone from the last. We were talking oh we're only four games under five hundred last week. Now we got Pittsburgh coming up and Blue Jays. They were brutal, brutal losses. Our bullpen blew, but like, yesterday they won the game. Isan had one hit, one hit, eight. but he has he's hitting one one thirty. And Sandy Alcantara, our starting pitcher who pitched a beautiful eight-inning game, is betting is betting 0.87. So, Isan Diaz, who was played third base yesterday, could be could be our pitcher. You know, could be a pitcher in the lineup. It's like it's a hole there. So, a lot of injuries, obviously. Brian Anderson, Miggy Rowe, we were there when injured. I've lost I've lost track of uh, of the injured. But you have you have a theory about the injuries. Uh I mean, it's it. Thankfully, it's not just the Marlins. No, it's, but it's I mean, a lot. They, I mean, not thankfully, but you know what I mean. But but the injuries are are just across the board here. Uh, but these pitchers getting injured. I know you're not a fan of the universal DH. No, but, I don't. I don't mind it. But what, pitchers but he, running the running the yeah, but base, uh, and they've been uh, doing it for. Eliseed, Eliseed and uh, Hernandez, right? Yep. Uh, I think it was Wednesday. Pitch a beautiful game. Yeah. And he got a hit, and he got a hit. He got a hit. Beautiful Better hit. Better than Isan Diaz. Got, get him out of here. <laughs> we're going to have to do a sound drop for that. Get him out of here. Uh, and, and, you know, 
he was, I'm watching this game live. I believe it was last Wednesday. And he gets to third base. And these are professional athletes. You're running. And the thing is, it was, it was, a, it was a ground ball to the right. And, and, and basically, it was Toronto. Toronto was conceding the run. Yep. All he had to do was jog 90 feet yep. to home plate. And they have the lead. And he's and he, back on the 60-day IL he now. He pulls his quad. Severe. Severe quad, quad injury. I'm like, how do you yeah. do so that? I, I don't know who our trainer is, but, but where's my oh, sound clip, right? Just get him out of here. This. Oh, my goodness. No, we need that sound drop. <laughs> we, need, we need that sound. We, 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 we'll, we'll figure it out. But, but hey, Father, we won. We, we won. won we were, we were, we were, we I were forgot watch- what that felt like. We were watching the game together yesterday, and we're like, we're going to celebrate this like the seventh game of World Series. And somebody, actually, somebody, I, I, when I posted, we won, we, we won, we won. Somebody posts on Twitter, a friend of mine says, you just you're reacting like if they won the seventh game in the World Series, and we yeah. talked about that. It goes break out the champagne. We're celebrating if we win the day. It was an eight game losing streak, yeah. and we knew that it was that this road trip going into uh, Pittsburgh, and now we have uh, we have Boston today Boston and, making and up a big for, series versus Col- I, worst weird, team. In the weird to say big series uh, the first week of no, June, but, but but we have to get out of that hole because you know the pitching's been there, bullpen has been. Uh, that, that was what cost us last week because the hitting was there both both games in Toronto in yep. Toronto and in I, I didn't see the one on Friday night but you know Saturday against Pittsburgh blew it you saw that collapse I was out thankfully yep. out having dinner didn't didn't even watch it but yesterday we saw it it was a great game uh, can I say something about my Yankees for a second because I, I guess come on for the first time in 10 years we were swept in the Bronx by the Red Sox really bad I think I hear some celebrating downstairs. No, my secretary is a big Red Sox. I don't know why, because her daughter lives up there. I don't know. Whatever. Um, yesterday, and I showed you this right before we came into the studio. Bottom of the ninth inning, it was, we had just, no, uh, we had just tied the game. And there was a runner at second. And our second base, well, one of our second basemen comes up to, rough hand door, comes up to, to bat. And it's a 3-2 count. And the ball is probably a foot outside. You saw it. Was, it. it was bad. Not only that, the, you said, and, you, mean, and I, you noticed something that I didn't. That I the, enjoy the uh, the Yankees losing, but but that was bad. I mean, the the, the well, announcer yeah, was well, shocked. Say, even the frame job. So so for those yeah. who don't know what what we're talking about, the catcher catches the ball and kind of moves the glove back towards the strike. Nobody, but it, but yeah. even the frame job stayed outside of because the they were zone. trying to get Odor to. Uh, to chase that pitch it was you know and it was like i go how do you make that call three two count two outs in the ninth to make you go to extras and xander bogart's hit a double in in, in extras because that idiot just, rule of the runner on second really like that placed runner on second oh <laughs> i mean there, there was already another runner on and that other run, they got another runner on that runner also scored so it didn't, it didn't matter if they had a runner in second they would have scored anyways on that but it was just great, and you were gonna love this. In the eighth inning, they pinch hit Stanton, and I and I saw this, and I knew what happened, and you didn't even have to tell me. I, and the and thing is, I'm gonna get to the U.S. Mexico match in a second. I turned away from the U.S. Mexico match to go see that critical Stanton at bat. Oh. I was watching it because, and and I don't know why. I do not know why, why, why I did that because I should know the results. I have, I have. Tangible proof right here. I know we're going long. You know, it's okay. you, you can press it's, pause. You we've, know, we've lost about half our listeners. That's fine. By the sports segment. That's anyway. fine. So but for our faithful who are still here, we love thank you. you. Thank you. So 
here are, I have Stan stats as a pinch hitter for his career. You were making fun of Isan Diaz, okay? Stan, who was National League MVP his last year with the Marlins, who makes a, j- a jillion dollars. Home run champ. Exactly. Batting 0-69, 2 for 29, 18 strikeouts. So yeah, and that's what he I, did. I knew what was going to happen. And, and that's and what he did last night. Tell me. And we were swept. So on a low and away slider. Now, nine o'clock last night, I should be. I don't know how I was awake. Asleep. The United States plays Mexico in the Nations League final for Concacaf, and whenever United States plays Mexico, it's always a great game. You're talking about Boston, uh, yep. New York, great rivalry. In soccer in this hemisphere, Mexico-U.S., great rivalry. A lot of bad blood. Uh, a lot of these guys play together in MLS or in other parts of the world. But when they put on the green, they put on the Stars and Stripes. Game on. Yeah, it's game on. And that was a crazy match. You couldn't see it. You were asleep. I sent you the extended highlights about 10 minutes. I, yeah, you saw it before. I saw them this morning. And wow. It was. I don't was, blame you for just being no, wired. I, uh, no. <laughs> the match lasted the, the whistle was blown at 12.25 in the morning. How I have a voice for this and, podcast and it is took you about, It took you about two hours to get your hurry back. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> thankfully, no, I was tired. I, I fell asleep. I was I was out by, by 1 o'clock. But still, how I had a voice this morning for Maz and how I had a voice this morning to do this podcast is incredible. But here's here's what, you know, what happened. And I don't want to get into the controversies of what happened in the stands and who was saying what, that that needs to be addressed and it's wrong. Uh, there's so many ways that I can get in trouble for saying things that I saw during that match that will get me in all sorts of trouble. I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to talk about what happened on the pitch. Uh, look at me talking about on the pitch. CJ's going to be so proud. Joe's going to be so proud when they hear this. <laughs> so you have Christian we're, Pulisic. We're well-rounded. Yeah, we are. Nine days earlier, Christian Pulisic wins the Champion League. Captain America. With, with Chelsea. Greatest title in Europe. I, I, you would probably argue that's the greatest trophy outside of the World Cup. Okay, comes down here. They play him in the semifinals. I believe it was on Wednesday or th- uh, I think it was Thursday. And I'm like, man, kid had to celebrate over there in Porto in, in Portugal. Flew over here and they played him. And he took him out in the 90th minute. And they played and he played the entire game yesterday. Nails a penalty kick in the top shelf of the goal, which is just beautiful. They celebrate. They threw things at them. They couldn't care less. And then our backup goalkeeper. Goes in there cold in the 69th minute, made three or four incredible saves, and then a suspect. The 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 penalty on Pulisic was also suspect. Probably should, would have been called. Should have called CJ for confirmation on this, but we're running late. So they call a handball in the penalty box. Mexico is going to take a penalty kick, and I don't know why I had this confidence. Like he's going to stop this. I don't know why I think he's going to stop. This is the 120th minute yeah. with extra time added on, and even. Our boy stops the kick. And, and our was, backup keeper. That was an incredible stop. It was an incredible oh, stop. And our boy is playing uh, Our boy is playing in some Belgian league I had never heard of. Inter-Miami, please sign him. He made some incredible saves. Tall kid, great kid. Uh, and it's a great problem to have when you have two great goalkeepers. So uh, our goalkeeper was murdered on one play when they came in to kick the ball and, and was injured. Had to come out. Pulisic came. Gio Reyna, 18 years old, the son of Claudio Reyna, scores on a beautiful corner. Mexico could not defend our corners last night. They could not. Now, here's what it is. We have the Gold Cup coming up, then we have qualifying starting. 
But here's what this we have kids. The one that scored one header, I'm forgetting his name now, but he plays with Juventus. Obviously, Christian plays with uh, with Chelsea. All these kids are getting all this experience in Europe. They're coming here. Gio plays with Dortmund. Ooh, I think I got. Yeah, I, I believe it's Dortmund in in Germany. But and he and he scored uh, in 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 and, uh, and these are great in the Bundesliga. They're scoring in all these leagues and they're coming here and they're bringing that that energy, yeah. that experience. I have big hopes. I mean, that was a gritty match. They could have got, they went down one nothing in the second minute. In the second, in the this, first minute, it was, it was a minute ten or something like that. <laughs> then they had another goal scored against them. And thankfully, it was taken yeah. out from VAR because of by offside. a foot, by literally by a, by a toe. But yeah, it was, and and it was incredible. That's when I switched over to the stand because I was just oh, and yeah. I saw it, and then they equalized it on the corner yep. that Gio Reyna scored. Mexico down to defend our corners. I can't wait to the Gold Cup if oh, we yeah. face off in the finals against this team. Bar the doors, put the children to bed. It's gonna be epic. We need, a, wa- we need was- a watch party. Oh no, we definitely need a watch. <laughs> Carly, let's get going. We're gonna do a watch party <laughs> for U.S. Mexico Gold Cup final because that's how it's gonna end. I mean, unless Costa Rica upsets us, which is known to happen. Honduras almost yep. beat us on 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 Thursday. Yep. So, uh, USA baby, Captain America, let's soccer. Go. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, thank you for staying with us during this long podcast. We said at the beginning, it's going to be long. We had a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, it was short last week because of Memorial Day. This is the beauty of a podcast, though, right? Anyway, no, you, you could pause, pause it, pick it continue. up later. You know, you know, hear, the, hear the, 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 the homily section first and come back, hear the thing. Go back and hear that, that, that jingle again that they made. It is so well done. You know, I thought when I heard it that the last thing I said on that jingle was, what, ha- what was that last night? Because... I thought that Mexico was going to win that, and we the ref the ref was horrible. That the ref was going to take the game away, and I'm not was going to have to say what happened. Thankfully, <laughs> I didn't have to say that. So proud of our boys. Wanted to walk in here wearing stars and stripes and my Landon Donovan. There you I, go. I need a new, I need a new jersey. Um, but it was amazing. It, it was an amazing game, and it was an amazing day yesterday. Corpus Christi was so great. A lot of people came out came out for mass. This Friday is Sacred Heart. Uh, obviously, we have mass here in the parish in Our Lady of Guadalupe. It is the feast day of the pierced uh, of the servants of the pierced hearts of Jesus and Mary. They have mass at eight o'clock. They have their. It's not going to be all night vigil because it's the pandemic. They have mass at eight o'clock. Blessed sacraments exposed. The mass of the Immaculate Heart of Mary will be at twelve thirty a.m. that night. Uh, I believe Father Omar and I and our new seminarian Adam are going to be there, and uh, and I think Father Escamas wants to go. I am not totally sure yet, but. Join us at Our Lady of Guadalupe this this Saturday, excuse me, this Friday at 8 p.m. And summer's here. Come and see Jesus. So let's end with a prayer. And we'll end this podcast praying the beautiful Anima Christi prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, hide me. Suffer me not to be separated from thee. From the malignant enemy, defend me. In the hour of death, call me. And bid me to come to thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.